0: Hello and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Unbreakable You podcast. Meg here as always and I feel like I've been saying this week after week but it just feels like there's so much time in between this episode and the previous one apparently these weeks are moving by real slow and I honestly don't realize how slow these weeks are moving until I go to record the intro to the podcast and I'm like wow it feels like such a long time since I recorded my last intro so I'm not sure if you're feeling like the weeks are moving by really slow for you. If they are, if it feels that way for you, please know you're not alone. <laughs> Maybe it's because the days are longer now. There's more light. Um, it definitely feels like the days are longer. I know I usually sleep in until about 7.30 every day. I just wake up naturally. So throughout the winter, I was kind of sleeping until 7.30, 8 o'clock in the morning And now I can't even sleep past six because of the sunlight. And yeah, that's a whole other story. I feel like I really need to address um, the curtain issue in my bedroom. But like I said, that's a whole other story. And today we have. Such a great episode. And um, before we welcome our guest and get into the conversation I have with him, yes, it's a him, one of our very few male guests. So I'm really excited to introduce you to Robert Sykes. And I just decided to release this episode this week because I actually received a question on Instagram. From one of you, um, one of our listeners, she was asking me about um, eating disorder recovery for men. She feels like her boyfriend is really struggling with food and his relationship with food, maybe has an eating disorder, definitely has disordered eating. And I was actually on Robert Sykes's podcast, he has his own podcast, and he had me on chatting about my journey of overcoming anorexia and eating disorders and I just wanted to have him on my show because he has experience in that area and not too many guys are talking about this topic and he's an open book just like I am so I wanted to be sure that he joined me here on the podcast. So this week is the week that you are going to hear from Robert and he has so much to share but before we get into into the episode, I just want to give a little bit of a trigger warning, I suppose, if um, weight, if talking about weight and numbers and calories and dieting, if that triggers you, I just wanted to give you a loving heads up that we do talk about that in today's episode and um, I actually bring up a really good topic throughout the episode about not being anti-diet culture. Okay, so we can see that there's diet culture and we can also see that there's anti-diet culture. And in my opinion, (laughs) it's best if we're actually part of neither of those cultures because they're both like anti something right? So anyways, I actually go into that um, when I'm chatting with Robert throughout today's episode. So I just want to give you a heads up, but you're going to love this episode. And if you are a woman listening to this show today and you have a male in your life that you feel is struggling, I hope you can pass this show on to him and he can find some support in this show. Um, feel free to reach out to Robert for sure. He's Keto Savage on Instagram. You'll be able to find him. I have him linked up in the show notes. He's wonderful and just so um, down to earth and really welcoming. So if you need to chat with him, I know he would be very happy to hear from you. And as always, If you're enjoying the show, take a screenshot of um, you listening right now and post it on Instagram. Tag me, I am Meg Doll, so I can see it and we can connect over on Instagram. And also don't forget about our Facebook community, the Unbreakable You podcast crew. I'd love to have you join us there as well. Um, It's just fun to take the conversations off of um, you know whatever device you're listening to this on, and just have more personal conversations over on Facebook. So I hope to see you there and enjoy the show. Hey, Robert, welcome to the show. I am so excited to have you on with me today. As I just shared with you, there's been very few males who join me on the show. So like I said, I'm really excited to have you on the show with me this week. Thank you so much for joining
1: me. Thank you, it's an honor. I feel, feel blessed to be one of the few.
0: Oh yeah, of course. Well, you had me on your podcast back in like late 2019, I guess it was. And it was such an honor to be part of your podcast. And I know when we were talking, we talked a lot about my history with eating disorders and what it was like for me to overcome them. And you're also an open book like I am, which I super appreciate. And you mentioned that you also struggled with some issues with food and not a lot of guys talk about that so I thought it was really important that I get you on the show today.
1: Yeah yeah for sure I, I definitely think this is something that's important to talk about. Um, a lot of guys suffer from it and deal with it and they just don't open up about it because I think it's probably seen as a weakness in their mind. Um, you know it's definitely more commonly talked about amidst women but I feel like I think the percentages show that I think more males suffer from it than females, which is surprising.
0: Wow. So can you take us back a little bit and kind of maybe like introduce yourself, I guess? I gave you a brief intro before we actually started the show. But if you want to introduce yourself to everyone before we actually get started and dive into your journey today.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I'm Robert Sykes. Uh, Keto Savage pretty much is where I'm at on social. And I've been bodybuilding now for about 10 years, following a ketogenic protocol for the past five. And the first five years of that bodybuilding journey were definitely the toughest when it comes to, uh, you know, battling with food, kind of knowing what is healthy and what is not. Uh, keto has really helped me overcome those things. But before I can really give you the up-to-date version of me, I definitely want to dive into the foundation and kind of where i come from. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Regarding that, I mean, we could just totally deep dive here, but I started training as a bodybuilder when I was a sophomore or junior, I think, in high school. And I was always super small, super skinny, like 115 pounds. You know, people would make fun of me because I was so tiny. And I just aspired to be bigger. I aspired to, you know, look similar to my uncle, who was a more outgoing athlete person in the family. And he just seemed very confident. I wanted to emulate that. So I started to, you know, eat a lot more food, a lot more protein. Anything I could, you know, read about in like the bodybuilding magazines, and the grocery stores, um, or on bodybuilding.com. This was like before Instagram or anything was really big. Um, and I would just try and learn as much as I could and and eat and train. And I, when you're when you're in that mindset, when you have this idea of what you should look like, what you're aspiring to look like, but you're just not there, you. It, it kind of is it's good because it pushes you to be better than you are, but at the same time, it it is kind of discouraging because it's not a long, it's not, it's not a short thing. It's I mean, building muscle takes a lot of time, and a lot of people go the short route of you know incorporating a bunch of steroids and performance enhancing drugs, but that's obviously not a healthy way to go about it. Uh, so to be as small as I was and strive to be much bigger and more confident in who I was, I was just really trying to play the extreme card and, you know, overeat and then overtrain, basically assuming that that would lead, uh, to those goals. And that really just kind of led to a downward spiral on what was sustainable, what was healthy from a nutritional standpoint, um, so, like, I, I had bulked up. I had, you know, you always hear you're going to eat big to get big. So, I went from 115 pounds to over 230 pounds. And I was, I'm only 5'7, 5'8, so I'm not a very tall guy to begin with. So, 230 pounds was not a good look for me. Um, and then, when I cut down for my first bodybuilding competition, I lost 70 pounds in three months. And it was just a matter of starvation, basically. And it was just a very unhealthy way to go about it. And that's when I really started, you know, deep diving into the eating disorders and I've only really recently recovered from to be honest with you.
0: Mm, Wow. And we'll definitely get more into that for sure. So. I really want to highlight one of the things that you said and kind of get your opinion on it now looking back and maybe how we can like reframe this for some people because you mentioned that you were focusing on like how you wanted to look and I think so many of us get caught up in. Being unhappy, how we are right now, and being so focused on like body image goals and how we want our bodies to look, and we're not really appreciating ourselves for what we are right now. And do you see that in your journey?
1: Oh, yeah, totally. I feel like, like you, I mean, obviously, if you have a lot of self awareness and you don't ever let yourself go, um, you know, you're going to be in a much better starting place. And I feel like, Like it's important to be healthy, obviously, and everybody's image, you know, self outward image of health is going to be different. Um, But if you never let yourself go, so to speak, and you are somewhat close to what a healthy baseline should be, um, then you can like start with a much more confident base to begin with and then any incremental progress you make from that is is good because it's like okay I'm, I'm not too far off the beaten path as it is and then i see where i'm going and then i'm incrementally working towards it day in day out and that makes it much more sustainable there's like this really big mental roadblock if you're you know coming from a place of, you know, being very overweight. I mean, that's a very challenging place to be. So you have to really change your mindset. Um, definitely not impossible. And there's so many people that I've worked with that have been really overweight and it just requires a different way to think about it. But knowing that you're making progress day in, day out, as opposed to looking at the end goal and, and seeing how far you are from that is absolutely key. Like I'm not anywhere near where I want to look now, but I know that I'm working towards it every single day. And the same is true if someone is very overweight, like if they're they're probably not where they want to look at the end all be all. But if they can notice and recognize that they're making progress towards that and then gain confidence in that piece by piece, that's the main thing.
0: Mm -hmm. And I think for so many people going through their health journeys, they're always wanting to change themselves how they are right now and for me and what I believe and coach my clients through, it's just really learning how to accept yourself in the here and now and doing whatever like changes you need to do, really coming from a place of wanting better for yourself and loving yourself. So that's kind of just my take on it. But let's get into your experience with an eating disorder or disordered eating, um, what do you personally kind of describe what you went through? So for me, you know, when I was at the 230 pound mark, I had this just,
1: uh, I guess, false image of what I was going to need to do to get to the conditioning that I needed for competing. Um, So I was at 230 pounds and assumed that I only had about 30 pounds to lose in order to look show ready. I thought I was going to step on stage at about 200 pounds, where in reality I had so much more body fat than I than I realized. I was closer to 30% body fat. Um, so I wound up cutting down to 155 pounds on show day, um, which losing that much weight in a three-month time period is just not anywhere close to healthy. Right. Imagination. Yeah. So as I was dieting down for the show, I realized that I didn't give myself enough time but I'd already committed to that competition. So I wasn't going to not do it. Um, So I just like, I mean, I was a a college student at the time. So I was going through, you know, semester finals. I was having to study all night long. I was eating, I wasn't keto at the time. So I was eating like every two and a half, three hours, every, you know, six or seven meals a day. So I was carrying all this stuff with me. I would train two or three times a day based off of my class schedule and I had zero social life whatsoever. I, I weighed every macronutrient out to the gram. Like I was counting rice grains. I mean, I got super obsessive compulsive with just the accuracy of my macronutrient tracking because I didn't want to leave anything to chance. And I was just incredibly restrictive in every sense of the word. And I was able to lose all that weight. I lost a lot of muscle mass during that time as well because I had died it down. I was probably at the lowest end only consuming about, you know, 1,000 to 1,200 calories, which for me at that, at that activity level was just not healthy. Eating that little for that long and training that much, I mean, my hormones tanked, um, my leptin and ghrelin levels, my hunger hormones were just totally out of whack. I developed incredible cravings and I had just no sense of satiety whatsoever. So I was able to... Do the competition. I never once cheated during that entire macro, uh, during that entire prep. I was able to come into condition and I got incredibly lean and I won the show. But afterwards, there was no, no, I mean, I'd already crossed the finish line. There was no reason or goal in my head. There was no reason to, to stay accountable to that super strict, regimented training and eating. Uh-huh. So having no goal, no parameters, I just totally went off the deep end and gave into all these temptations, all these cravings. And like that night uh, after the competition, we had like a celebration and we all, my whole family went out to Red Lobster, I believe it was. And I literally ate probably four entrees with three desserts and like five frozen lemonades. Like I gained 20 pounds the next day. Like I woke up 20 pounds heavier and I looked myself in the mirror with total disgust, I had worked so hard for so long without cheating at all. And it had seemingly just been thrown away for nothing. And that's when I, I looked myself in the mirror and realized that this was just not good. I was miserable. I was depressed. I'd worked so hard and just thrown it all away haphazardly for a, a meal. And from that point forward, I would try and like, you know, diet back to, to lose that 20 pounds I'd gained to try and hold on to that that conditioning that I'd earned. But then I would like restrict myself so much that I would need to binge and I would binge. I would eat, you know, 20,000 calories a day. And the next day I would, or the next three days, I would like, you know, not eat at all. I mean, there was one time where I went over to my folks for uh, breakfast one morning and my dad had made a whole bunch of homemade biscuits and gravy. I would eaten the entire platter full. And then I went out in the woods and I tried to puke. And then the next three days, all I ate was two cans of tuna in water. Like it was just the most vicious sense of binging and purging that I had ever experienced. And it was just not healthy. And it really screwed with my mentality, my confidence and who I was as a person.
0: Wow. Wow. Wow wow wow. I think you've described a cycle that so many of our listeners have e- either like dealt with or they're in the muck of right now. So thank you so much for being so open and so honest. Wow. I want to go back to your competition and what you said about being so rigid with your eating schedule and literally like counting rice grains. I've been there too. (laughs) I like have never done a show, but I was there like mentally with my food and in such an unhealthy relationship with my food. And I like that you shared that you won this show, right? And you went through so like you develop this really unhealthy relationship with food, but you won the show. And I feel like so many people on the outside see the fact that like, oh, my gosh, this guy, he looks amazing and he won a show. But they don't see like the battles you're facing on the inside. Right.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, the in a competitive world, you know, people only highlights when they're looking their best. They don't, they don't post the pictures of when they're down and depressed. They're only posting the pictures of when they're, the lighting is right. And they've got all the definition, the colors right. And they look really shredded and the veins are popping or they're on stage. And that's all fine and well, but you've got to paint the other side of the picture too, because you know, there's always two sides of the coin and it's far, far more common than people realize for these competitors post show having no, you know, tangible goal anymore to just go off the deep end like I did. Mm -hmm. And this happens so frequently uh, amongst male and female competitors. And it's sad because this is how metabolisms get wrecked. This is how hormones get tanked. I mean, people, there's been people that have died because they've not manipulated their nutrition the correct way. Uh, They've messed around with their sodium, their hydration, their electrolytes. And it really can lead to a very dangerous uh, pattern of eating, eating. And it's it's not healthy. It's not sustainable. It's a bad look for the sport. Like I love the sport of body, but I love the sport, you know, of health and fitness, nutrition. Mm -hmm. But you can do it in a much more healthy, sustainable way that doesn't come at the cost of your your hormones, your relationship with food, your life
0: mm-hmm, and can we also talk about the fact that you started to experience really, really intense cravings? and you also said that your hunger was just kind of like uncontrollable, right? And I know some like that's a confusing thing for a lot of people because, on the outside, um, you're kind of doing everything that diet culture essentially tells you to do. Right. And you're kind of looking how society thinks that everyone should look like super lean and super fit and built and muscular, but you, there you were, super hungry all the time and experiencing these uncontrollable cravings as well. And this is a result of dieting. So could you elaborate on that for our listeners just so they can begin to understand that restriction actually causes these cravings and maybe why that happens?
1: Yeah. And it's all context dependent. Like I'm, I mean, I'm in a contest prep now and I'm technically restricting, uh, but it's just a totally different ball game than what it was then. I mean, I'm doing it the healthy, sustainable ways. So there is a, a right way to do it. There's a light at the in the tunnel. Um, but what I did originally was just over restriction. And I didn't really have the context that I do now. I didn't really know the right way going about it. And when you don't have perspective, you don't have perception as to what you're even trying to accomplish, and you're just going into it blindly. So you start, you know, going to the extreme on everything, extreme cardio, extreme training, extreme caloric restriction, then you inherently feel just incredibly depleted and deprived because you are. And then anything that you deprive yourself of becomes that much more appealing. And you start, you know, fixating on it. And the more you want it, the more you fixate on it and vice versa. So like you, you wind up craving these things that you don't allow yourself to have. And when it, when you do that, there's like this mental switch that occurs. And it's like when that finish line is crossed and you're able to, to accept it and go for it, there is no moderating it. There's no, uh, you know, realistic intake. It's just all, way overkill. I mean, I would literally eat, you know, I walked into IHOP one day post-show and I ordered one of every single kind of pancake on the menu. I mean, they make a lot of different kinds of pancakes. <laughs> and I eat it yeah. all. You know, like that's not healthy. That's not healthy by any stretch of the imagina- imagination. So restriction is not bad if done for the right reasons in the right way, but just unwielded restriction can be very dangerous.
0: For sure. So kind of where we left off was sounding like a pretty dark time in your life. So what was kind of your rock bottom, so to speak? And when did that light kind of go off for you where you were like, whoa, I'm dealing with something and I need to address this. What was that moment like for you?
1: So, there, there's been a couple rock bottom moments in my life. They didn't happen all at the same time. Um, you know, from a nutritional standpoint, it was definitely when I was going through that first contest prep and I was incredibly depleted, and I was struggling with the obsessive compulsive disorders, and that that was a very tough time. Um, and I pretty much did something very similar a few years later when I did my next round of competing. Uh, when I was in Washington state. And at that time I had moved away from my family. I had graduated college and I had just met my now wife then significant other crystal, but I didn't really know how to do the whole relationship thing because I never had relationship prior to that. So I was failing there. I was failing with my nutrition and my OCD and I was unhappy with my career. So I quit that and I was failing financially. I was like $250,000 in debt. It was like, everything perfect storm, uh, for not living a happy life. I mean, I was, I was suicidal. I was in a dark place. Um, so that would definitely be rock bottom.
0: (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much for, like I said before, just being so open about this, because like you said, so many guys just don't talk about it. I mean, so many women don't talk about it. But like you said, there's more men dealing with these sort of mental health issues than we even realize just because they don't talk about it. So I appreciate you just being a voice for so many people that are struggling. So when you were at that rock bottom, what like what did you do to get help and start making that pivot in your life?
1: So it was kind of a summation of multiple different things. I mean, I I knew that I needed to figure out something different with my nutrition, for one, because I feel like, you know, the the carb cravings, the sugar, I mean, it just it wasn't really working. I felt so disconnected from what my body needed. Um, I mean, I literally and I think a lot of people that have disordered eating can relate with this, but there's no concept of what is hungry, what is full, what is satisfied. Like these are all just obscured notions that you can't really understand. Um, So I felt really disconnected from the food I was eating. So I played around, I kind of stumbled upon keto by accident. I didn't know what it was, but I wound up eating that way and eliminating the carbs altogether. And that really, really helped stabilize my hormones. Um, I just felt more in tune with my food, so I started doing keto. That was that was definitely a step in the right direction. But then from that, I started diving into all the that the you know health and fitness nutrition community had to offer. I mean, I'm not trying to overemphasize keto. I know yours is not a keto podcast by any means, but the keto community is incredibly empowering and supportive. So being able to plug into that and really kind of you know work with other people uh find value in those interactions was huge like i was able to meet people that were going through something similar to me i was able to you know give them suggestions based off of things that i learned and worked well for me so plugging in and having some camaraderie there was a huge step in the right direction um and then i definitely had some ups and downs with with crystal but we were able to kind of work that all out and by kind of figuring out what I was passionate about in life, what I could do to add value, it led me to creating the business that I have now, Keto Savage, and, you know, started doing coaching. I just started finding my purpose, my calling, my passion in life, and it all just kind of started gaining momentum. I was able to to figure out that, hey, my life has value. Um, I don't have to be, you know, suffocated by this disordered way of eating. I don't have to be in this state of eternal darkness, because I feel so alone, you know, the community, the, the, the nutritional lifestyle I was living at the time just began to get so much better, so much more fulfilling. And that just kept compounding. And, you know, fast forward to today, it's been about five years now since I started doing keto and have been plugging into the community. And I, I mean, I just got back from speaking at a conference uh, last weekend and that whole conference, I mean, it was just amazing. Like, I was able to interact with people. Um, I gave a presentation about, you know, different ways of implementing the, the dieting strategy, the nutrition strategy, uh, but then also mindset and how to like find value in your life and find purpose. And like the emails I get every day about people that have, you know, resonated with something I've said on a podcast or something I put on a YouTube video that helped them get through a disordered period of eating in their life. I mean, all this. That all this feedback, all this, you know, love for being the best person that you can be, and then having that energy that that brings, feeling the need to share it with others and then see others being built up. I mean, nothing beats looking into somebody's eyes and seeing the spark that's been dormant for years finally light back up because they see hope in their future. Mm -hmm. And I feel like all that for me can be attributed to this nutritional lifestyle and everything that I've been able to build as a result of it.
0: That's amazing. I'm so proud of you for all you're doing and you're helping so many people. And I just want to touch on the fact that, no, this isn't a keto podcast, right? But I can't help but think because like, who's to say where we find this freedom in our life, right? There's, and there's really like, two ways to kind of go about it. There's people that are constantly like betraying themselves by going from diet to diet to diet, because they're not willing to sit with themselves and really heal themselves from the inside out type thing. Or there's people who have done that work, but they're also able to like follow some type of eating style that works best for them. And like I said, like who's to say which eating style is going to provide that person freedom. And I really feel like there's that diet culture happening. Obviously we all are very familiar with that, but then there's also this anti-diet culture. And I want to make sure that everyone knows that I'm in neither camp. (laughs) And I'm so happy for anyone who just finds any type of freedom in their life, like true freedom, and they know exactly what that is for them. So um, what are your thoughts on that?
1: I mean, I totally agree. I don't feel like it's, uh, you know, for me, it just coincidentally happened to be the keto community and and what that led to for me. But that by no means has to be everybody's story. I mean, mm-hmm. I feel like somebody could emulate something very similar with, uh, you know, just a community totally unrelated to food in the first place. I mean, you can right. have passion towards anything. And I think just plugging in and finding your passion and your value and seeing how you can add value to others. I mean, that's the main thing. Like it's, it's you have to have enough of your own fundamentals in place to be you know solid have a good foundation but there's there's not as much fulfillment in that like you have to once you once you once you're established and once your base is solid finding something that you can plug into to add value to others you know and, and like i said that could be something totally outside the nutrition space
0: right but having
1: that gives your life meaning and gives you something to be excited about i mean people always say that they want and they're seeking happiness in life. Well, everybody wants happiness, but happiness is such an obscure thing to try and seek out. I feel like if people just seek out excitement, you know, what wakes you up and gets you excited about, you know, going through the day? Like if you spend the majority of your time on that, then you're by default going to be happy and you're probably going to add a lot of value.
0: Mm -hmm. And I know through these really tough, hard, dark journeys of our lives, it seems like we can really lose touch with who we actually are and what actually truly does light us up, right? So what kind of advice can you give to our listeners today if they're listening to this and they're like, okay, I would really love to find a community that's really supportive of me and lights me up. And, you know, like, but what is my passion? And they're feeling kind of lost in that. Where could those people begin?
1: So when I was at that that low point that I kind of described earlier, I didn't know what my passion was. I didn't know what my calling was. I mean, that's kind of a hard thing to just reach out and touch. So I drove out in the middle of nowhere. I went into this, you know, woodland not far from my house and walked out middle of nowhere and just sat down on a rock and watched the sunset go. And I started asking myself some real questions like, what do I like doing with my time? What do I know about myself that others may find beneficial to know in their own lives? What do I love to do? Like, you have to just ask these basic primitive questions and be honest with yourself. Like, a lot of people, they just don't have self-awareness. I mean, they want to be an NBA basketball star, but they don't ever go practice basketball. I mean, mm-hmm. you have to be real <laughs> Yeah. Like, know what you enjoy and kind of reverse engineer from there. I asked myself, if I could pick a perfect day, like if I could live my perfect life, what would that day look like? And, I basically just reverse engineered that to where I was at the time and then built it forward from that point. I mean, I look at my life now and I love every minute of it. Like I wouldn't change a thing. I I mean, I literally love my life every single day. And it's the life that I visualized for myself those three or four years ago. And I just had to kind of reverse engineer and work backwards from there. But if you chip away at it, you know, you have that long game approach to it and you're not trying to make the overnight success a reality because that isn't a reality, then you can truly accomplish whatever you set out to do.
0: That's amazing and some really great advice. I think that's some really great like, you know, take home, do this now type of advice for our listeners. They can literally just kind of even do a visualization practice um, after listening to this episode or tomorrow morning and just visualize like what a really perfect day or the ideal day looks like for them. And who knows, they might be living that life in like five years. And speaking of five years, I feel you said that you've been following the keto diet for about five years now. Mm -hmm. Okay. And you just recently feel as though you were able to overcome your eating disorder, disordered eating. Okay. So I wanted to really highlight that because it's difficult to overcome these mental illnesses and it's not a quick fix by any means. I know I have conversations with women all the time and you know they're trying to recover and it's been a month and they're still really struggling. But can we talk about what that journey really looked like for you? Um, even so you like have found this amazing community and you started noticing changes and you've found your passion, but with healing your relationship with food and whatnot, were there any really key things for you to get from your really lowest point to where you are today?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, to start like just knowing all the research and everything that I've dug up about you know the the, the current nutritional protocol following with keto I mean I, I'm eating very high quality foods like I'm not eating you know Twinkies or heavily processed foods so just on that basis alone I think it's easier to have a, a health relationship with food if you know with absolute certainty that the food that you're putting in your body is high quality food so I think that is step one I mean if you're not happy with how you look and you're struggling with, you know, eating the foods you are and you're, and you're sneaking a bunch of little Debbie cakes in, then in the back of your mind, you know that you're taking a couple steps backward. Whereas if you are only putting the highest quality foods that you can into your body, you've got that going for you at least. Um, And then with regard to like the quantities, the amounts, I feel like this is where a lot of people get hung up with eating disorders. They, they don't know what amount of food like they could eat the healthiest food in the world, but they if they're overeating it or undereating it, that can really cause them to slip up. So for me, knowing and embracing the fact that I'm not always gonna be three percent body fat, and I'm not always gonna be, you know, an off-season strength. I mean, you have to for me at least with what my goals are, I have to embrace the fact that I need to cycle through these different phases. Like when I'm in an off season, I'm eating more calories. I've got more fuel coming in. Um, and I can put that to use with you know heavier weight training and really maximizing my ability to build muscle. But that comes at the expense of looking leaner because I'm just simply not as lean. And then on the flip side, when I'm going into a contest prep as I am now, I have to embrace the fact that I'm probably going to lose a little bit of strength. Not much, but a little bit. Um, I'm not going to be able to throw around weight as easily. um, And I'm not going to be able to fill out my clothes. I'm going to look much more small and emaciated because I'm much, much leaner. Um, But really embracing these different phases was a huge step in the right direction for me because, you know, most people are not trying to go from one extreme to the other and step on a bodybuilding stage. But people need to realize that your goals can shift over time. It's not really like maintaining is not necessarily my goal or not even really a goal I would recommend for most people like I would want and encourage people to get better in some form or fashion every single day whether that means losing body fat or building muscle you know more power to them whatever that goal is for them but knowing and embracing the fact that there are different phases and optimizing for those different phases makes the whole process much more sustainable
0: Okay, yeah, that makes sense for sure. So when you um, kind of like compare a woman struggling with an eating disorder and a male, do you see any significant differences that maybe you can give our listeners as kind of warning signs almost?
1: Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate, I think, for... I mean, it's, it's kind of bad. Like, the social media has really made eating disorders harder because it paints a picture of what the ideal human body is supposed to look like according to some random person online, which is unfair for anybody. You know, like, I, you shouldn't hold yourself to a standard that is an airbrushed, you know, filter standard that people see on Instagram. Right. Um, right. So let me throw that out there first. Uh, but as far as the difference between male and female, you know, males i feel like males have like from a social uh projection standpoint they have it a little bit easier because like the you know if you're big as a male you are just assumed to be strong like oh he's a, he's an ox you know whereas if you're big as a female it's not normally seen in a positive light um so they have the disadvantage there um but i feel like from a, an 80s you know, standpoint from the mindset that comes with it, I feel like most females, they they feel pressured to just be tiny, uh, which is not really the goal that I would recommend. I mean, I, I think a healthy woman uh, is one that, you know, not necessarily makes strength training their primary objective, but it's not afraid to build muscle. I mean, you're not gonna look like Mr. Olympia after a couple of days in the gym for any female, you know, like. <laughs> you gotta take some serious steroids to make that look happen um but knowing that being tiny is not equated to being healthy is key i mean there's several people several females that are uh, overweight that are much healthier than women that are 115 pounds um so knowing that the scale weight is not you know an equation for health is is, is key um but yeah that's, that's the main thing i feel like just knowing what your goal is, and knowing what a healthy way of getting there sustainably uh, is, is going to be key for both sexes, male and female.
0: Perfect. That Thanks. That
1: It all I'm kind of stammered off. Oh yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> no, that totally makes sense. And finally, I'm just wondering if a woman is listening to our show and she knows that a male, either her spouse or her friend, family member is dealing with an eating disorder. Have you found any specific eating disorder resources for males that have been really supportive?
1: I haven't, honestly, which is is not good. Like, I definitely, if I was more proactive when I was going through it, I would have been looking. Um, I don't even know if, I'm sure there probably were back then, but it was weird because I, I mean, I come from a family who doesn't even care about lifting weights, so, like, my parents would just not even know what I'm talking about when I tell them that I have eating disorder. I mean, it's just, if people have never gone through it or known someone that has, they it's really hard for them to relate. So I think the the greatest resource I would encourage anybody to seek out is just somebody that has gone through it, has struggled with it, or maybe is struggling with it. I mean, just simply having that camaraderie in. Being there as a support group for one another is going to be huge. But since I've been open about my disorders, I've encountered so many people um, that have gone through it, or have you know been there in the past themselves, or are going through it, and that gives one another strength. Um, And I would never have found these people had I not started making it public and being open with the fact that I had. So, if you're going through it, I would just encourage you to find somebody that you trust and you respect and then just share that with them. And they may know somebody, you may know somebody, but being open about it is is a good way to kind of get the momentum going to fix it
0: oh yeah definitely this is why it's so important to share our stories for sure and I can't thank you enough for sharing your story on the show today I have one more question for you Robert before we wrap up the show I ask all of my guests what does it mean to you to be unbreakable
1: that's a good question Mm, unbreakable so I uh I don't remember the exact reason I, I branded everything Keto Savage. I just like the word Savage. I feel like Savage is is kind of like seen in a vicious light. Not I that's not really what I'm going for. But when I think of Savage, me personally, I think of this unbreakable spirit that we're all born with. I feel like we're all born with this innate desire to be the best that we can be, work really hard and strive for greatness. And I see so many people in life like let that fade, they let it die, they get comfortable, they get complacent, they don't believe in themselves enough to think that they can do great things. And I just wanna encourage people that everybody has that inside of them. You still have that side of them. You have to just find it, dig it back up and set it free and live a life that is true to that passion. And if you do that, I mean, you're gonna find so much more happiness in life. So being unbreakable to me, being a savage to me is just finding that innate desire that you're born with and then living it to its full potential every single day.
0: Amazing. Love that answer for sure. And I totally agree with you. We are all born with this unbreakableness within us. And some of us just forget about it too. So thank you so much for coming on the show today. Where can everyone find you and connect with you and get a hold of your resources?
1: Well, thank you so very much for having me. Um, I truly do appreciate it. As far as connecting with me, if you Google Keto Savage or Keto Brick is our food product, uh, you'll find me for sure.
0: Awesome. And I will have everything linked up for our listeners in the show notes. Thank you so much, Robert.
1: Thank you.